Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. We're excited to be here. I am. Uh, you're lucky that I am not in straight-up golf attire, attempting to look like I am a Augustonian. What did I say earlier? Augustian. Augustian. And everybody laughed because apparently that's not what y'all go by. <laughs> not that I actually thought that's what you went by, but anyway. <laughs> My name is Josh and this is Allie and we are so excited to be here. Thank you to Pastor Marty and, and Miss Patty. Uh, this, is, um, this is what we believe we're called to do is to share God's story uh, with people like you guys. And today we're going to be talking about God's incredible faithfulness to Josh and I in our lives. In the last six and a half years, our life has been a roller coaster, a literal roller coaster. But we've had so many times of desert times where we were thirsty and there was no water to be found. And then times of plenty. And if you're anything like me, I've learned way more in the desert times than I have in those times of plenty. So I just want to encourage you guys this morning. That God is out for our good and is wanting to teach us something in those desert times. But Josh and I are just very normal people. You'll come to know that. We have an incredible story, but we're just normal people. But one thing we have resolved in our lives to do, whatever comes our way, we are simply not going to give up. And we truly believe, especially even in Christian communities, that people just give up too soon and aren't willing to hold on to see the harvest. That's right. Uh, Allie and I, I was actually Allie's first date. Ever. 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 Probably far too young, so we won't tell you that age, but it was a date. Uh, She said yes. It did not go well the first time, Yet, uh, but she would not tell me that she didn't like me. So I kept calling, and uh, her mom would answer the phone, so I became great friends with her mom. It's true. At the time I went out with them, I had in my head, you know, when you have a reputation of somebody in your head and then as you get to know them, it's not true. Well, in my head, I thought, okay, I'm going to go out with them. It'll be nice. We'll go to a movie. And then he'll just get the point that I'm not interested. That was my plan. I don't know why I thought that. I'm going to say yes to a 16 year old guy and make, and that's going to make him think I'm not interested yet. (laughs) In my mind, it made sense. But I'm a pursuer, so I didn't give up. Me and Miss Sid are great friends. uh, My mom literally loved him. She's like, why are you not answering this poor boy's phone call? And so literally a year and a half later, Allie sends one of her friends to tell me how bad a mistake she realized she had made. And um, (laughs) we went out on a second first date. Uh, I'll let you decide which parts of that were true and not. Um, But we did go on a second first date, January 24th, 2003. And uh, we ended up dating three more years and got married in July of 2006. Um, And for the next five years, up until the fall of 2011, we had a, what we would consider a very normal first five years of marriage, going to school, graduating, doing some work. Um, And then life got interesting. We we thought it was time to expand our branch of the Taylor family, and uh, we wanted to have a kid, and so we started trying to get pregnant. Through that process, Allie found a lump in her left breast, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so, really, the, we're thinking life's going to be really easy, and all of a sudden, that's what we find. She was diagnosed as very, very aggressive, and then stage three, which means it had moved from one spot to the other. And um, if you're anything like me, I am a planner. I had my whole life planned out since I was a little girl. 
And breast cancer was never on that list, especially at the age of 24. So I remember getting that phone call and literally we were, we were in a, we were standing baseboards at the house that we were building and I get the call and the doctor says, you have breast cancer. And if you're anything like me, you might've had a moment in your life where you've received a phone call or you've received a diagnosis. And I remember we were in the room, I was standing the baseboards and I literally fell to my knees on the floor. And I remember just laying there. Josh went into the other room and I remember holding my chest saying, God, you have to heal me. You have to fix this. I, I don't know what to even ask for or pray for. We were trying to get pregnant, and now here I am with breast cancer. This cannot be real. And Josh always says this so perfectly. He always says, if time, money, or talent can fix something, it really isn't a problem. And that's so true because here we were with a situation we couldn't fix. And up until that moment, you kind of feel like you can fix things in life. Okay, if I had a little bit more money, if I had more time, if I could maybe develop a new talent. And here we were in complete surrender and utter dependence on God. And that was just a omen of things to come in the years to come that I would forever have to be on my knees and surrender to God. And so we quickly got referred to MD Anderson Cancer Center. Um, like Josh said, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, very aggressive. And in one of our meetings with our doctors, she said, before I even go over the treatment regimen, I have to ask you, are you guys wanting to have children? And we looked at her and said, yes, that's actually how I found my breast cancer. We definitely want to have kids. And she said, well, if you were a typical patient, young patient, I would say we need to preserve your fertility because the type of regimen you'll be on very um, high chance of affecting your fertility. She said, but Allie, we can't wait. We have to start immediately. Your cancer is, is very aggressive. And so I remember we asked our mom to, or we asked my mom to leave the room. We asked the doctor to leave the room. I remember sitting there without my shirt off. I felt completely exposed at that point. And we just hugged and prayed, got on our knees again and said, God, we don't know what to do, but we're trusting you to do it. We, we want a family. We obviously are praying and believing that I'll live. And so we really held true to a scripture and it's, um, the scripture is Psalm 128. And it's a scripture that we just spoke over our lives from that point forward. And that scripture, it says, uh, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. And a lot of times what you'll hear th through our story is people see on the, we hear a ton of faith stories and we think those people, God must have written on a wall. They were in a hospital room, that hospital room in MD Anderson where we're, we're sitting there. We asked the doctor to leave and we have this moment with God where he writes on the wall, Josh and Allie, do this. I'm going to protect you. And then here's a picture of what's going to be your life in seven years. That didn't happen. And I don't think it does happen except for the select, select, select few situations. And so in that moment, it's actually incredibly simple. Is We're just begging the Holy Spirit to give us the power to believe that verse. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the way we walk out that verse that day is, God, I believe you're going to heal Allie. But the way you're showing us you're going to heal Allie is to start this treatment. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll trust for the rest of the picture whenever you want to show it to us. Yes. But today, this is enough. Like today we trust you for her body, for her healing. Mm -hmm. And the doctors have wisdom. So just don't ever forget when you're looking at the end of somebody's story, just as us men in business... Don't confuse the end of their story with their beginning. Mm -hmm. It actually is usually very simple. They just woke up and did it over mm -hmm. and over. And so don't let, the, don't let the bigness of what you see from us confuse you. It's actually very simple. Mm -hmm. Every big decision we came to, we just believed God was out for our good. 
Absolutely. And one thing that when we were at the beginning of our treatments and and really through my whole cancer journey, a question we got asked so often was, how did you guys have joy in your journey? And I would always say two things. I would say, first, it's Jesus. It's not me. And secondly, I would say we just choose joy because if we wait for our circumstances to produce happiness or joy, we'll be waiting a long time for many of us, if you're anything like us. And um, a funny story we like to tell is when we were at MD Anderson, those first few days, we went through felt like a million scans and tests. And one of those tests was a bone scan. And it's where they do a scan of your entire body to see if there's any cancer in your bones. So it was a very serious test. But as we walked in, there was a big chair and there was a lady that came and she was holding this big tube that said... Just to clarify when we say big chair, one of those chairs that swallows people. (laughs) Yes. So Allie's in it. It's mint green, pleather. Pleather, yeah, huge. Her feet are up off the floor. Like it, it... that's an important part of this. I need you to get that picture. Get the visual. She's up off the, off the ground. And so she comes out with this tube that says radioactive, which is obviously concerning, but we're trying to think, okay, what's about to happen? So I sit in this chair, and a lot of people that work at MD Anderson, they're from all different countries. They literally are the smartest people on the face of the earth. Well, this lady walks up and has her name tag, and it says where she's from. She's from India, and she has a very strong Indian accent. And um, I always have to give this disclaimer. I'm going to try to imitate her, but my accents always go Australian. So it doesn't matter how I start. It's going to end up Australian. So just just know that. But, okay, so she says she comes comes up to me and she says, um, okay, Miss Taylor, I'm going to give you injection. She said, when I give you injection, you're going to have to pee. And she said, when you have to pee, don't hold it. Just let it go. Just let it go. Don't hold it. You'll let it go. And she just stops talking. So I look at Josh and I'm like, am I seriously just about to pee? Like, is this why I'm in this big pleather chair? Like, it's just like easy cleanup. Like maybe this is the pee chair. Like then I'm like, this is gross. Like they just have this chair you pee in after you get this injection. We're we're 24 and 27 and we believe anything they tell us at this point. Yes, I know. I'm just like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I guess I'm about to pee. And so Josh looks at me and says, okay, I can go get you an extra set of clothes. I'm kind of wondering like, why did they not? prep us on this. And so in the middle of all this, the lady starts slapping. She says, no, 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 Miss Taylor. She said in the middle, I actually kept my Indian accent uh, pretty I'm, good. I'm I've not gone so Australian. So I need, I need a, the story's a, not over. But, but. Yes. I know. <laughs> but she says, Miss Taylor, I'm going to give you injection. After I give you injection, you can pee from now until test, not right now. <laughs> And I told Josh, I said, I'm so thankful she clarified that because I think I would have just peed. Because like, you know, when you think something's like about to happen and like, you like, are like, all right, here we go. And so, um, I'm so thankful I, and I, said that. I wasn't sure how I was going to hide my face in that moment. Like, like we're all waiting for it. And so anyways, I remember us walking out, having a funny moment. And I know that that sounds crazy, but we were in the middle of school crazy serious tests. And if we wanted to, we could have not chosen joy. We could have been offended by that, but we just took those little moments that God gave us and chose to laugh and chose to have joy. So that was on a Thursday that Friday, we got to MD Anderson on Wednesday. So that Thursday, we find all that out on Friday, Allie started chemotherapy, 16 rounds of chemo, um, 16 rounds of chemo, bilateral mastectomy, uh, And a big moment for us in that when it came for her bilateral mastectomy is obviously a fear for a wife and a a husband, much less a young husband, was, I mean, she looked at me and said, Josh, will you find me attractive? Will you, um, you know, what will it be after all this? And uh, I promise I am not this good. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit, you know, puts some, he brings truth in my heart, but obviously then words to my mouth to give life to Allie. And I just looked at her and said, baby, uh, I will find you more attractive after this than I ever did before. And then the other part is those scars will be tangible proof of what the devil tried to do and, uh, and what God stopped. And 
And that was such a huge moment for me as a woman to hear him say that and to really view it as that. Because I think oftentimes we think of scars as like painful memories. You know, it's like, okay, this is when I fell when I was three. This was from a bad car accident. Instead of viewing them as this is the time God protected me from hurting myself worse. This is the time that God saved my life from that car accident. And so every time I look at myself, it's the tangible evidence of what Satan tried to do to harm me and how God intended it for my good. And I I think, I heard a lady say this one time and it stuck with me. She said, that if we don't intentionally remind ourselves of what God has done, we will relapse. So I'll say that again. If we don't intentionally remind, we will relapse. And so I encourage you, whatever it is you have to put in front of your face every day to remind yourself of the faithfulness of God, put it in front of your face because we will, even as good as you try, we will forget if we do not intentionally remind ourselves. So Allie had her mastectomy on April 23rd, 2012. We knew on April 30th we would get the results of that. Allie was given a 20% chance of being cancer-free. So we go to MD Anderson April 30th. A doctor walks in and she says, have you heard the results? And we said, no, ma'am. And and Allie asked her, are they good? And, uh, and, uh, And the doctor looks at her and says, no, they're they're perfect. Uh, she was April 30th, 2012, deemed totally cancer-free. Yeah. And uh, that day is at the six-year anniversary tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes, six years. Praise God. Praise God. Um, and so after that, that life was wonderful. I remember thinking, God, if I can get through cancer, I don't care what the rest of my life is. I just want to live. And, and that was so true. But We, we went, may have said that too many times. Yes. <laughs> but that was so true. But we, we dealt with several fears and anxiety about recurrence and all those fears. But then two years later, we got the clearance to be able to try to have a baby. And we just believed it would happen immediately. We thought God has done the impossible. I'm cancer free. We're just going to get pregnant immediately. And that did not happen. Um, we finally went to a fertility doctor and he confirmed our worst fears. He said, Allie, your eggs, your fertility has been totally compromised. He said, you cannot get pregnant unless you have an egg donor. And so we actually were matched with an egg donor. We thought about that for a while. And then we actually ended up choosing to go the route of adoption. And we actually got matched with the birth family really quickly. It was December of 2014. We got a call. We were matched with the birth family of a little girl that was going to be born in March of 2015. And so we moved, the birth mom was in Jacksonville, Florida. So we moved to Jacksonville. And on March 12th, uh, 2015, a little girl was born that night and uh, all was good. Allie was the first one to hold her, feed her. We were in the room. Uh, about a day later, we find out that the birth family is actually going to try and keep the little girl. Um, and that really just started really four days of a lot of refinement for us of like just seeing what we're about to tell you walk out and the fact that um, some moments when it gets real, real tough, you, you just have to keep a picture in front of your face. And for us, walking down those hallways for those four days, waiting for a final decision, the thing we said to each other over and over is that this, for us, was our Abraham and Isaac moment. We didn't know um, when God would step in, if he would step in, or what the end would look like. We just knew we had to keep walking. We knew we had to keep loving this little girl and birth family. No matter what. It doesn't matter what it looks like for us in the end. We're called to do what we're called to do. And that's to love people really, really hard. And so that's what we did for four days. And um, so come Tuesday morning, birth family comes back and, and confirms to Allie in a hospital room that we are not going to be the parents of this little girl. And uh, they, walk out of the, they walk out of that room down to where I'm at. And we just, at that point, you guys, that now those people... Our, our line to this little girl's eternity. And so 
at that moment, we, we just want to speak life over this family. And so we asked, can we pray for them? And so we, we prayed, and that prayer is very simple. It was help these people feel worthy. Help them feel loved. Help them to know how much you love them. That you sent your son to die for them, just as you sent your son to die for Allie and I. And that's all we prayed. It was very simple, very quick. And uh, we hugged. She got about five feet away and said, uh, turned around and said, you guys, Josh and Allie, God's only talked to me one other time in my life. He did just now. Um, <laughs> I didn't do this last time. Uh, uh, that's funny to watch this, what all catches us every time we say this. Uh, and she turns and looks and says, you guys are the parents of this little girl. And so just like that, right in front of our eyes, we saw a miracle that happened very quickly. And that was the first tangible miracle we had ever experienced. You know, God healed me gradually through my cancer journey. I kept wanting to be that cancer patient that would walk in and them say, Allie, there was no cancer. I don't even know why you're here. You know, we've heard those stories of someone getting a test back and everything's gone. And for me, it was gradual. Keep trusting, keep trusting, keep trusting. With Genevieve, it was, we learned she wouldn't be ours. And then five minutes later, God speaks to the birth family and says she is. And that was an incredible thing to witness. We were thankful. We were the happiest people on earth. I was healed of cancer. God just gave us this miracle baby, but he was not done with miracles in our family. So about nine months later, I wasn't feeling well. I um, thought I would take a pregnancy test, which was so weird because it wasn't like doctors had told us there was a slim chance I would get pregnant. They said it was impossible. And so I had an old pregnancy test from when I was trying to get pregnant years ago. And if you've ever been through infertility, you may be like me and bought like a pack of a hundred tests on Amazon. (laughs) Anybody out there? Hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. They were like the little paper strips that were, yes. Anyways, it was, it was the best bang for your buck. And um, so I took it, I exercised, I came back and saw that it said pregnant. And I would love to say I was really excited, but I was really scared because I, I was told this was impossible. So we went to the doctor and they confirmed that I was pregnant and everything was normal. I was pregnant with a little baby girl and everyone was just stunned. It really was our impossible made possible. But two other really exciting pieces of news were going to happen. Um, one, they came in two phone calls. One was a phone call from our birth family, and another was a phone call from New York City. And so we're going to watch this quick video. Are you ready for sisters? <laughs> we adopted Genevieve about a year and a half ago. When she was nine months old, we miraculously found out that I was pregnant. Oh, no way! You're pregnant? <laughs> Allie is a stage three cancer survivor, and that in itself is obviously a miracle. And then the fact that she's about to give birth when we were told that she could not get pregnant is like this miracle on top of miracle on top of miracle. So when I was about a month pregnant, we found out that Genevieve's birth mother was pregnant again. She said, Allie, we're not expecting you to adopt this baby because you're pregnant. But immediately, my heart was drawn to this baby. And the fact that it was a biological sibling for Genevieve, obviously, yes, we'll adopt again. We just could not imagine saying no to another another baby when at one point we didn't know if we'd ever have children. Feels like you're going pretty fast. Are you going fast? 42. Our birth mother is in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were scared to deliver in our hometown in Louisiana because if I went into labor and she went into labor, then we might miss the birth of that baby. We finally just said, we've got to be where our birth mom is. It's just an enlarged text. And so that is why I'm delivering in Kentucky, which is totally crazy and out of my comfort zone. 
But to us, it was worth it to make sure that we would be able to be there at, at all of our baby's birth, as long as they're not born on the same day. So as you can see, it was crazy. We found out we were due just two weeks apart. We borrowed a friend's RV, headed up to Kentucky, lived at a KOA park at 36 weeks pregnant, and it was crazy, but we were so excited and could not fathom missing the birth of um, the baby that we were adopting. And don't let it confuse you. That RV is not ours. So <laughs> for, us, not, for us to shut down our life for two months makes as little sense for a lot of you guys in this room. Uh, and what we would, and this is probably a little throw to the men, if how you lead your family and make, if your choices are not so bold that the people around you that are in the world don't think, how are you doing what you're doing and why are you doing it? You probably need to make a different choice. Because the world would not find, if you looked at our money, our finances, our jobs at that time, we had no business stopping life for 60 days. So just know like, your life has to line up with God, not making sense with the world. And so just believe that God will fill those gaps that we as men at times think, how's that going to happen? So we're in Louisville and um, Allie, is, Allie gives birth August 14th. Uh, I, I got to watch this. Um, it's incredible. You women are truly incredible. We hold nothing to you and any man that says so, you send them to me. It's not a question. Uh, 11 days later, um, Lydia is born. Allie's the first one to hold her, feed her. Um, and it, it was all, as we know, was going good. Yeah, it was incredible. We got to be in the room again, just like we were with Genevieve. And this time we knew the birth family. Last time with Genevieve, we didn't really know each other. And so the, the, I think that's also hurt the um, hurt our relationship a little bit because the birth family was thinking, how are they going to raise this little girl? Whereas this time they knew. This time they knew they saw how we were raising Genevieve. And so we thought everything was going well. And the next day we were in the nursery with Lydia and a lady walked in and she said that the birth mother was wavering. And we said, what? We were, we were so floored. We walked back in and we talked with the birth mother and she said, not only was she wavering, but she had made a decision. And she said, I cannot, I can't give her to you guys. I can't do it. And we literally did not know what to think. And if you're anything like me, maybe something's happened to you more than once. Like maybe you've had another miscarriage or another diagnosis or another child that you've lost or another divorce, whatever it is. It's like that second, third, fourth time it happens. It's way worse. It's like, again, are you kidding me again? And I just remember feeling that. And as we left that day, we prayed over the baby. We had to leave the hospital. And it was that moment of God speaking to me saying, Allie, you and Josh are not the savior of this baby. God is. And we had to trust in God, the father and not in ourselves. And in those, in those moments, it was one of those weird moments to describe that your blessings actually start almost holding you back in that for us at times we thought, okay, God, in that moment, are we supposed to just, what, what somebody might think we should do is, well, Josh, I, God reached down and healed Allie. He gave you Genevieve. You have Vera. You, aren't you happy enough? Isn't that enough? And the story that came so loud to us in that moment is the 90, story of the lost sheep. The story's not about the 99. The story's about the one. Mm-hmm. And for us, it didn't matter what was at the house. It was that there was one soul that still needed to be fought for. Mm-hmm. And we have one call while we're breathing, and that's to make disciples. And so for us, that's kind of what rang true to us. It's like, Josh and Allie, you better not qu- quit fighting. Yes. And, um, and that that's became our little deal in those couple days. And I remember, I remember we were at, we, we rented an Airbnb house where our parents could be. We have an 11 day old, we have a 17 month old. And I remember once again, here I am on my knees saying, God, 
just as I was in my room back when I was diagnosed with cancer, God, you have to fix this. I surrender to you. You have to fix this. I had to trust in his plan. And this time was different because with Genevieve, we felt like we put her on the altar and God took her off. This time with Lydia, it was like we literally sacrificed her. It was done. They let us go back up to the hospital. And I remember God speaking to my spirit and saying, Allie, I want to keep doing good for you over and over and over. A lot of times we put human characteristics on an all-knowing, all-powerful, miracle-working God. If you're anything like me, I hate asking people to do things. Like if I ask our moms to keep our girls, it's always hard because I'm thinking, we just asked them last week and I don't want to ask them again. Whereas we, we do that with God too. We think, okay, God's already done this. He's healed me of cancer. He's given me a miracle baby. I don't need to ask him for this. He's done too much. When God is saying, ask and you will receive, ask again. I want to do good for you over and over and over. God's goodness knows no bounds. And so I said, okay, God, here we are. We're going to ask for it again. If I, if we don't, if we don't walk home with Lydia and Vera, we'll be okay, but we're going to believe for it. And so as, as we are at the hospital, we fully sacrificed Lydia to God. And as we did that, we received a phone call that the birth family made the decision once again to give her to us, which was an incredible thing to witness. Yes. Thank you, Lord. A really powerful verse for us is Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not grow weary in doing good for at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Again, there's nothing in that verse that is anything about if or maybe, except for the part of us. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the right time, or God's right time, we will reap a harvest, God's version of a harvest, if we do not give up. Seven years ago, if I had written down my biggest dreams and hopes for us, they would have come so far short of where we are today. And the thought of missing out on that, of this, for Josh's plan, Mm -hmm. literally makes me sick. Absolutely. And to us, you know, I talked about those reminders earlier, how those scars are a reminder to me every day of what God has done. Well, we have three little reminders that we have every day. Genevieve, we say, is our reminder of God's miracle. That was the first miracle we've ever witnessed. Vera is our reminder of God doing the impossible. Every day we look at her, I think God can do it. And then we have Lydia, who is the reminder of God doing it again. God wants to do good over and over and over again. And so we've got a little... (laughs) Here's our reminders coming out. (laughs) Hey, girls. Hey, my girls. Hi, Liddy. Hey. And yes, they all go to mom. My my job was to pick one off. (laughs) But, um, you know, for us, I talked about those desert moments at the beginning of our service. Um, When we were in the middle of the desert, if someone could have shown me this picture... I would have said, let's go through the desert. I don't care. God's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. But we didn't have this picture. And many of you guys don't have this picture right now. But that's why it's called faith. When we can't see it. When we're in that drought. And we just want want water. We want plenty. And now we're experiencing that. But we did not have it in the desert. So I just want to encourage you to keep holding on to see the, the land of plenty. And that's what, that is our biggest thing, you guys. Is we did, once again, we did not even have this picture in our minds when we're in that hospital in October. Uh, we're in that hospital in 2011 and we were two, in essence, we're two kids is what we were. But we already believed at that point, like God was out for our good. And we just like almost naively or blindly just said, God, like, 
fill the gaps that a 27-year-old husband cannot fill. I don't have the kind of wisdom. Allie doesn't have the kind of strength to get through what she was about to go through. We just believed in that moment that Psalm 128 was going to be us. We didn't know what our version would be. Um, And in all honesty, it would have fallen so short of this. So short of of that. (laughs) Um, So just know, like, so many times you're not going to get the picture of what you're believing God for. You're just going to have to believe Him. Like, He's he's always going to do what He says He's going to do. Absolutely. Every time, the variable is us. The variable is, will Josh and Allie now fight for the well-being of these three little girls that they get know God, not know about God, but that they know. That they know God, that they experience heaven on earth, that it's not something we're waiting to die to find out about God. You know, and that's the, that's the fun part about where we are. Life's not easy now. It's not like we're all... It's all easy. But uh, we do have such a clear picture daily of how much God cares for us. And the truth is like he wants so badly to do that for you guys and your families. Um, And that's what we look forward to. That's why we would do a stupid TV show. Uh, Not because it's fun. I'm not allowed to talk bad about it, but I'll just tell you that's that's not it. Um, It is... So that God gets another chance to get his word into you. And if that's through us, then we'll sign up for it. That This is why we said yes, is so that we give hope and, and God's hope to you guys. We're going to pray real quick. And then... Uh, you all one of these? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to wrangle. I can see, baby. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for Stevens Creek. I thank you for Pastor Marty and Miss Patty. Thank you for their vision for people. It's so clear. This is a room full of people loving people hard. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. We thank you for loving us and being for us. Uh, Please keep us safe. Help us to honor you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.